politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow besieged patriots to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, in the house on Tuesday, April 14th, 2020. And yes, it is the birthday of yours truly. And I'm going to give a shameless plug for a shameless request for you guys to sign up at blazetv.com forward slash CR to get your one and only. I mean, this is really the only time we're offering this $30 off a full year subscription to Blaze TV. Do it in my name, promo code Daniel, 69 bucks a year. This is your only beacon of freedom. This is how we keep the lights on. And folks, we're going to need the lights on. We're going to need a Thomas Paine common sense. We're going to need a citizen sanctuary. And you can go to our Facebook fan page, Horowitz Citizen Sanctuary. Like our page. Send an email to our group if you want to help out and be a Minuteman in your state. We need to start organizing. We need to start fundamentally changing our government. We have a government that is tyrannical from head to toe. A government that will not do its sacred job of protecting us from anarchy, from criminals and illegal aliens. Courts give access to illegal aliens, to criminals, to abortion clinics, but to nobody else while on inalienable rights. And, you know, we've been talking about rights being violated for hundreds of years. And, and usually it's bogus. Like, oh, I want this or I want to be able to do this and it's a right. But it's really not a right. Yet what we're talking about today is literally visiting your mother or father in their home. You're not allowed to do in the state of Michigan. Now, of course, you are allowed to. It's this garbage edict that is lawless from a governor who needs to be forcibly removed from office. Yes, I said it. There is a limit. You can't do whatever you want. Now, before we talk about the immorality of our government, the immorality of letting out criminals while locking up Americans, giving standing in courts to illegal aliens while the courts are closed to Americans that have their, not, not, not you know, again, this is not about putting politics in the courts, as I always rail against. This is about individualized rights being infringed upon with no end. As I noted yesterday, in order for the president to do battle with these tyrannical governors, the president needs to first get his own administration on the same page. He's got to get rid of Mnuchin and Fauci and Burks and Jared and Ivanka and all these clowns and have people that actually share the vision that he seems to instinctively have. Now, we're going to have Congressman Andy Biggs on the show today uh, to discuss some of this, but he couldn't make it. We'll have to reschedule. But... Yesterday, you guys saw at the daily press conference, the president was back on to a more positive message, a message more freedom. But he's got to he, he, he's got to be consistent about it. Right now, we are facing the worst possible calamity politically that you could imagine. You would think after all this tyranny, we would have people rising up against the left. But no. Because, ironically, Trump is officially in charge, right? I mean, at the end of the day, Trump's the top dog. So, if anything, he's getting blamed. 
Hence, we saw last night in Wisconsin, the Supreme Court uh, race there, a Democrat won in a blowout. Now, I know there's some logistical issues with the voting, obviously, and probably a lot of seniors didn't turn out. But still, still, this was a pro-jailbreak de-incarceration nut who won, and I doubt the majority of Wisconsin voters want that. But because we don't have a vision, we have a phony Republican Party, and Trump, while sometimes he gets on message, then he veers off of it, we have nobody. He's got to be consistently on message, otherwise we're headed for the worst of all outcomes. We have the worst tyranny ever, but officially, Republicans are in charge at a federal level, mostly. And they're going to get blamed for it. But anyway, if the president finally pushes for a D-Day to reopen America, you're already seeing these arguments, and I love it. A broken clock is right twice, but the phony, fag-servative, loser... D.C. Beltway phony right-leaning thumb-sucking pundits are never right. Never, ever right. Not even like a broken clock. Suddenly, like, well, Daniel, Trump can't reopen the government because it states rights, federalism. See, I love it how what's a real right, we read out of the Constitution. Okay? What's a foundational right, I mean, what's antithetical to a right, we put into the Constitution. At the highest levels. What's a federal power we give to the states? What's a state power we, we give to the feds? Let me tell you something. There's no such thing as states' rights. What we have done on this show for quite some time is to properly articulate the balance of power between the respective three branches of the federal government and the states and the feds. While generally speaking, on net, we believe states need to have more of a share of the burden than what the federal government really has today. But it's not across the board. We have a constitutional system and a constitution that discusses three relationships. The individual, the state, and the federal government. And each one has a proper role, but only individuals have rights. States have certain powers. Federal government has certain powers. And the balance has to be achieved perfectly. It's not a matter of, oh, I'm for the states, I'm for the feds. Well, what are you talking about? People forget we have something called the Declaration of Independence. And there are, while I believe that states could do a lot, and certainly there's no right for the federal judiciary to get involved, And sometimes it could even border on nanny state, what a state can do. But there are limits. A state can't do whatever the hell they want. A state can't put its citizens under house arrest indefinitely. States cannot start regulating interstate commerce, shutting down commerce in an entire state, which affects everyone. Obviously, we're against this 100 years worth of... um, the federal government expanding the Commerce Clause to mean everything, that they can get involved in everything. But there is a limit. People forget. There is a reason why we have a federal government. While, why Madison wrote an indictment of the Articles of Confederation, 
He wrote a case against it. The vices of the Articles of Confederation. And one of the points he noted in a letter to Joseph C. Campbell in 1829, quote, the power to regulate commerce among the several states was intended as a negative and a preventative provision against injustice among the states themselves rather than a power as a power to be used for the positive purposes of the general government. So in other words, it was not meant to give a power to the federal government to do anything. I'm totally libertarian, whatever that even means, constitutionalist, on that. I'm not into this using the Commerce Clause. But what the Commerce Clause is, is for the federal government to use it as a negative on the states. That one state can't start declaring travel bans on another state. You can't tell me, oh, Trump can't do anything about that. Of course he can. That's his job. Just like a state can't say, hey, I'm going to harbor illegal aliens. No. As Madison said in the Federalist Papers, Federalist 42, that was given over to the federal government for a good reason. There are a few things that are. But I find it funny. We literally have, in Oklahoma, a federal judge, a Trump appointee, Trump appointee, just said that the state can't shut down abortion services. They could put a shut down everything else, but they can't shut down abortion services. Where are all these phony conservatives? State rights. Why is it that when the weakest unelected branch of the federal government, the, the judiciary, tells a state how many days of early voting it has, that a, a donkey and a horse is a marriage, and you have to recognize it as such, you can't even have basic common sense healthcare regulations placed on abortion clinics. You can't regulate any internal affairs without a federal court getting involved. But no one cries federalism. Suddenly, when a state wants to regulate interstate commerce and go back to the Articles of Confederation, when a state wants to indefinitely put a travel ban from house to house and indefinitely shut down life, liberty, and businesses, the most unalienable of inalienable rights, Oh, the federal government can't do anything about it, Daniel. There's a reason why President Eisenhower sent down the 101st Airborne to Little Rock to enforce desegregation. There are times when states, if well, people forget, and I'm sick of this, it's not like, oh, the states are supreme, the feds are supreme, the courts are supreme. It's one big decompartmentalized system where all of us, All of us as a body, as members of a media, using our freedom of speech and assembly, which is now being infringed upon. And yes, all the 50 states and their respective three branches and the three branches of the federal government, each one appropriately and together to try to enforce the Constitution. It's not a matter of, oh, you know, I'm a state guy. Well, yeah, I mean, if the feds are acting tyrannical, the states need to step up. But if states are acting tyrannical... It goes the same way. It's the same thing I always talk about with the judiciary. Oh, the judiciary has say over other branches. Well, if they're acting tyrannical, you could take your case to the courts, but they're not the final say. If they believe the courts are wrong, the other branches have a right to, to, to hit back, and it's the same thing here. It's the same thing with the states and the feds as it is in the respective three branches of the federal government. It goes in a circle. And Trump absolutely has a responsibility if they are going to take this more severely and more protracted than it needs to be to deal with an immediate emergency, 
in the most narrowly tailored way to achieve the vital state interest, it is unconstitutional. It violates the Bill of Rights. It violates the Declaration of Independence. And let me, let me say this. Don't get me wrong. This is a terrible thing, you know, segregation. But separate but equal, the right for black Americans to attend a school with everyone else, certainly, you know, it wasn't right what the states are doing. But that is not quite as unalienable is what the government is doing now. Now, I understand that was a little bit more insidious and invidious at the same time. No pun, no uh, alliteration intended, but uh, both words are true in this case, that they singled out blacks, obviously, so that was a little bit unique. But it doesn't make it any better, the fact that you apply the tyranny to everyone equally. <laughs> okay, that doesn't make that any, any, any better. And to say that you can open a business... You can't have a livelihood unless you're on government programs. That you can't go boating and you can't step out of your home. You can't visit your friends, relatives, even when you're not having mass gatherings. Folks, that is a hundred times more inalienable than attending mixed racial schools. And yet, Eisenhower felt, and he was right, the need to send out the National Guard, the, the 101st Airborne. And he federalized the National Guard. Trump needs to do the same thing. Police and National Guardsmen in Little Rock were blocking black students from entering. If they want to do that to businesses, while well, of course letting out criminals... Trump has a responsibility to bring down the National Guard. Now, obviously, you've got to see how to federalize it, bring down the troops. You have to see how this plays out. I don't want it to come to that first. But as I said yesterday, there, there, there's an easier way of doing it. These same governors are like, we're sovereign states. We can do whatever the hell we want. Trump has no right to get involved. We could lock people up indefinitely and regulate interstate commerce. We're God. Oh, but... uh. Trump, could you please give us uh, $500 billion? What about you losers? If you are sovereign and powerful enough to shut everyone down, then you are sovereign and powerful enough to go ahead and deal with the carnage yourself. That is tr- Trump needs to immediately announce no more money for the states. That's the single most important thing he could do at this point. But I want to illustrate what is a real right and what's not a real right. What a state has power to do and what they don't have power to do. And yet we have it completely mixed up. There's voting rights. Now, it's really a misnomer. People forget a right is something negative. That you cannot live without it. I have a right to breathe, to walk freely, to earn a living, to own property. Okay, and to defend that property. Those are inalienable rights, negatives. I'm not asking anything from government. I'm not asking anything unique. Don't touch me. Negative. I want to stay in locomotion without government interfering with me. That's what an inalienable right is. Everything else is a result of positive law. It might be close to a fundamental right, but it's not that you can't live without it. For example... Voting. Voting is not an unalienable right. Okay? 
It's it, it's 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 a citizen privilege. It's the one of the closest positive things to a negative right, but it's still a positive, a result of positive law. This was articulated very clearly during the debate over the 14th Amendment. Congressman John Bingham was one of the civil rights champions who drafted Section 2 of the 14th Amendment. He declared that, quote, we all agree and the great body of the people of this country agree, and the committee thus far in reporting measures of reconstruction agree, that the exercise of the elective franchise, though it be one of the privileges of a citizen of the republic, is exclusively under the control of the states. So they, states have full control over elections. Jacob Howard punctuated this point by observing that, quote, the right of suffrage is not in law one of the privileges or immunities thus secured by the Constitution. It is merely the creature of law. It has always been regarded in this country as the result of positive local law, not regarded as one of those fundamental rights lying at the basis of all society and without which a people cannot exist except as slaves subject to a despotism. It's a very important quote. Those were big civil rights leaders at the time. And what we have today is the opposite. We have every federal court saying, oh, the 14th Amendment, states must allow ballot harvesting. They must have 10 weeks of early voting. They must have voting without photo ID. They must have all sorts of this and that. Felons voting. And no. You see, the crafters of the 14th Amendment are telling you that was not taken away from the states with the 14th Amendment. What they did do with the 14th Amendment was they said, hey, if you do, they put a trigger against them. They said, if you don't allow blacks to vote, we're going to um, dock you in the census and you'll lose representation. That, that's the way they did it. But, but they, well, why don't they just take it away from them and put, make voting rights federal? They did not because it's not a right. But what you see from here is that something that is a fundamental right, lying at the basis of all society and without which a people cannot exist except as slaves, subject to a despotism, that is not up to a state to do, and it is the responsibility of all of us, and that includes the federal government, to get involved and enforce it. I want to be very clear about that. You know I'm an absolutist when it comes to state powers with respect to legitimate state powers. But each, you know, you have to understand the interaction between individual rights, state powers, and federal powers. The federal government at its core was created to protect rights and secure the blessings of liberty and prosperity and security where states are incapable, inherently incapable because of logistics, or unwilling to secure them. That's why we have a federal government. So this notion that they could somehow do it whatever they want is absolutely absurd, and I just wanted to, um, to touch on that today. Very, very important observations. Um, one other thing on this, uh, this man, um, Robert Wright, he has a terrific article at American Institute for Economic Research. Why aren't Americans suing their way out of the lockdown? 
and he he cites a case, not a federal case. It's a 1956 New York Supreme Court case, The People versus Peter W. Roth. Roth knowingly and willfully broke a local quarantine regulation that Judge Lucienne Birdseye found problematic in part because it, quote, sentences all persons, well or sick, whether exposed to infection or not, to an unlimited imprisonment. Sound familiar? And he notes that, um, you know, basically they forced quarantine, and the judge said very clearly that there is no legitimacy to this. And he said very clear, clearly, the public health is doubtless an interest of great delicacy and importance. Whatever power is in the, in fact necessary to preserve it will be cheerfully conferred by the legislature and carried into full effect by the courts. But it can never be permitted that even for the sake of the public health, any local inferior border tribunal shall repeal statutes, suspend the operation of the Constitution, and infringe on all natural rights of the citizens. And that's what we've been saying. You could quarantine, but you can't declare nuclear winter on an entire state, state's populations and citizens, and prevent every person from leaving their home. You can't do that. Know your rights. Sick of this. Sick of this misinformation. And yet here we are. Federal judges. You, I mean, they're telling states, you must let go prisoners. You must let out illegal aliens. You must keep open abortion clinics. And everyone's like, yes, the federal judges said there's nothing we can do. And yet somehow, when they lock up all Americans... The executive branch of the federal government can't clamp down on that? Are you kidding me? We have it backwards. This is the worst mix of anarchy and tyranny. This is a government that no longer derives any legitimacy from the consent of the governed. This is an illegal government from head to toe. Think about how sick this despotism is. We have ankle monitors ordered for Louisville, Kentucky residents exposed to COVID-19 who refuse to stay home. Okay? At the same time, we have criminals being released left and right. It's from law enforcement today. Shoot a cop three times in cold blood and get rewarded with only 35 years in prison. Seems fair. Well, that's what is happening in New York is a cop killer who shot a police officer three times in the neck as he lay helpless on the ground in 1984 is set to get released from jail. It's from a New York Post article. He's getting released now. Thanks to COVID. Many of you saw the viral video also in New York, of this guy that just got released under corona jailbreak. And he beat up an elderly disabled man, injured him, broke his arm. I guess, you see, I guess these people, when you release them, they don't exactly abide by social distancing. And then we have 
the Republican governor, Kevin Stitt of Oklahoma, who loves refugees. We got this jerk, this jerk off, letting go 450 criminals after he spearheaded last year the largest single-day jailbreak in American history. He's just as liberal as New York and California. In Oklahoma. Because this is the Republican Party we have. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. L.A. County Sheriff. It's according to Fox's L.A. affiliate. Bill Milligan. He put out on Twitter that they released 4,276 criminals. 25% of its inmate population. Now he says he's worried about a surge in crime. Well, gee, you think? Folks, this is not a legitimate government. At least in China, they'll lock up the criminals while locking up the peaceful people too. I want to tell you something, folks. There is nobody around who has been more supportive of backing the blue than me. Okay? But somehow there's been something very funny. Cops have suddenly become very weak. Oh, there's nothing we can do. Our hands are tied. The criminals are released. I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do. You got to live with the crime. I mean, that's what we hear here in Baltimore all the time. And I defended them. I understand it's not coming from you. It's coming from the politicians. Okay. But if, if, if these very same people are going to suddenly turn around and suddenly not have their hands tied and start putting Americans in handcuffs for breathing, you can go kill yourself. We need to start taking names of those cops and publicizing them and doxing them. I'm sorry. We will be watching you. I'm not saying if a cop is enforcing in order to you know, close off an area or whatever, you know, close off a park or whatever they, they want to do. Okay. But if you're going to start going after individuals, not even in gatherings, just individuals, well, this works both ways. We need to start getting their names and exposing them too. Just following orders has its limits, as you well know. I don't want to hear this. Oh, you know, criminals, oh, they can't do anything. Suddenly now they're so big and strong. Give me a break. Give me a break. Truly disgusting. Shooting skyrocketing in Chicago during stay-at-home order. Can you imagine that? There's now, there are now more shootings in Chicago, even with no one on the streets. And then, then we have... Courts mandating illegal aliens be released. From the Washington Times, Stephen Dynan. Jose Beltran Arujo, an illegal immigrant, stands accused of beating his girlfriend's head with a glass bottle, knocking her unconscious in front of her three children. He had been sitting in an ICE detention facility in Massachusetts awaiting a deportation decision, but on Friday, a federal judge ordered him released. Same with Kevin Corletto, convicted of cocaine trafficking. Lists a bunch of people. All being released. Oh, so good. Yeah, I mean, everyone could do everything they want. Judges can't do anything. Federal government can't do anything. 
Oh, but federal government can give rights to illegal aliens. We are second-class citizens in our own country. These people, first of all, why are they awaiting deportation? I'm sorry. If the state and federal government could suspend not just statute, but the Constitution at its core level against American citizens, then you know what? It's time for the Trump administration to suspend current practice under law, which is not constitutional, where we grant them these, like, hearings and everything. No. All illegal aliens need to be deported. That's how you kill two birds with one stone. You want to give airlines business? Fly them back on the commercial airlines. See, now they won't be so big and tough with their boycotts of ICE. Pay them. Okay, you're right. Oh, we don't want to spread COVID in the jails. ICE facilities, fine. Get them out of here immediately. Which leads me to a broader thing. Notice how the left is ready with a crisis to implement long-standing 100-year projects overnight in the blink of an eye without firing a shot, without any opposition. They've achieved long-standing goals. Look at that L.A. sheriff. 25% of the jail population gone. And you ain't never seen them again. Where is our side to take advantage of our things? A massive surge in tax cuts and deregulation. A moratorium on immigration. You will never get a better time for it. Many of you have seen the Breitbart article from, um, from yesterday. Nearly 8 in 10 Americans want immigration moratorium. Newly, newly re, uh, this is from John Binder. Newly released Ipsos poll finds Americans are almost totally unified in their support for pausing immigration in the midst of coronavirus and mass unemployment. 79% of American adults said they want immigration temporarily paused in the U.S. Similarly, 70% of Americans said they support grounding all international flights to the U.S. to stop foreign travel in the country. And where is Trump's vision on this? Where is, if anything, there's people in the administration pushing more. We need to retaliate against China. We need sanctions on China. We need a new NATO, albeit an effective one, to counter China. But where, where is our government? Everything they should be doing, they're not doing. They're doing the opposite. Meanwhile, our rights are infringed upon. And illegal aliens are the only ones with standing in a court. Truly, truly disgusting. Truly disgusting. Minnesota governor extends peacetime emergency through May 13th. You can't do that. You can't do that. They have barely any cases there as a percentage of the population. And by the way, you know, we had an article yesterday and we did a show on this. How we don't even know if lockdowns are making it worse. The evidence shows it's bred more inside than outside. And especially because you're locking down people who already had it or have it. This thing has been here for so long. That's the big lie. We have new information that actually affirms this once and for all. 
Germany seems to be ahead of us with antibody um antibody uh testing. And they found that 14% of their survey in Germany, their sample size, it's from technologyreview.com, 14% had the antibodies. You know what that means? That means that if you extrapolate that for Germany's population, it could very well be that over 11 million people in Germany have already had it. They talk about a lot of it being spread at a February carnival celebration, which was before March. The lockdown was March 20th. And I'm sure it was before February too. This whole thing is a fraud. Again, not the deaths, not the fact that we're not in a crisis to a certain extent. Like I said, I have an uncle who is very sick with coronavirus. But what we are doing is counterintuitive. It's illegal. It's tyrannical, and it's got to stop. It's got to stop. There's no evidence anywhere that the lockdowns have helped. And in fact, there's growing evidence it's hurting. You look country by country. Every Western country has done a lockdown. And they've all been a failure except Sweden that didn't do it. And Iceland, which didn't do a lockdown. And had much better results. Now, the only exceptions are Israel and Germany that had a better result and did do a lockdown. But then again, all the Asian countries didn't do a lockdown and had an even better result. And as far as Israel and Germany, the main ingredient in that secret sauce is that they got ahead of this earlier than everyone did. In other words, you get ahead of it. See, this is what nobody is talking about. Everyone's comparing lockdown versus literally doing nothing. I mean, look, I'm going out with gloves. I don't touch any surface. I wash my hands all the time. Immediately when I get back, I have... I, I, I can't get Purell, so I, I usually um, I bring a bottle of HybaCleanse with me, a surgical rub. Um, no normal person except for crazy germaphobes does that under normal circumstances. Now we're all kind of doing that. That makes a big difference, just the awareness. So they're comparing like lockdown to doing nothing. What about education and awareness and basic common sense distancing and not sharing germs and washing your hands and being careful? Versus doing nothing. Well, that's all the difference. But anyway, I mean, we have no bigger megaphone than than Trump. Well, we got to get Trump right. We got to get our congressman to pressure him. I'm going to do everything I can to text Mark Meadows. I don't know if he still has that cell phone. If he has a different number, but I'm going to continue pushing Every contact I have, this has got to stop. This has got, this has got to stop. Um, and, you know, it starts with him announcing and saying, look, you cannot, if you are big boys as governors to do what you want, then you are big boys to fund it. On your own. You are big boys to fund it on your own. It's that simple. And look, it's especially true with these stupid states 
letting go all these criminals. Washington State, I just saw. A thousand criminals are being let go. You cannot imagine, given the recidivism, how much we're going to suffer from that in the future. But to end the show off, and I do apologize, I will be out at least tomorrow and Thursday. Just the final iteration of my uh, self-imposed paternity leave here. It's just very, very tough. There's a lot going on. But I will be back hopefully Friday and next week should be a full week unless there's something crazy with doctor's appointments and the kids. And, you know, look, with the with a newborn and the kids off of school and me trying to work in the same home is pretty crazy. But so, someone's got to do this. And if I'm going to call on you guys to be a Paul Revere, then I got to be leading it myself. But I want to end off with this. Yesterday, the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget posted an analysis showing that our budget deficit will top $3.8 trillion this year. They estimate that at the end of the year, fiscal year, September, the size of the debt will exceed the size of our economy. I'm sorry, scrap that. The size of the public share of the debt alone, the, the entire debt is about 107% of the economy, um, but just the public share of the debt is going to be bigger than our economy, and by the end of FY 2023, it will have exceeded the levels it did in 1946, right after World War II. Now, these warnings are just from the spending that they've already done, not the bipartisan spending they plan on doing in the fourth, fifth, and sixth iteration of their of their crazy legislation. Okay? Now, remember, we started off before the massive World War II spending at a much lower level. Gross, the gross federal debt, that includes intergovernmental uh, transfers, was 40% of GDP. Now, it was already 107%. And the record, the record was 117% of gross federal debt, and I believe 106% the public share. Right now we have 24 trillion in debt. About 18, roughly 18 trillion is public debt. Six trillion is governmental, intergovernmental debt. What that basically means is what we call money we owe ourselves. Mainly, you know, that the treasury has to pay to social security or to military, veterans, government workers, pensions. Now, a lot of people only focus on the public share of the debt, but the truth be told is that's not just money we owe ourselves. I mean, we got to come up with it to pay Social Security and other stuff and the federal pensions. So unless you cut benefits, you're going to either have to print more money, issue more public debt, or raise taxes to pay for it. So we're already pretty much at World War II levels even before this. But think about this crisis. In World War II, we invested in work, in industry, in sovereignty, in American prowess, and we became a superpower. Here... And also that debt was accrued over six years. This debt, just one month, one month, and we're just getting started, all going into a black hole. We need to at least parlay it into a massive, massive deregulation scheme. If we're going to bankrupt ourselves, rather than throwing in a black hole, do it in the form of just cutting revenue, just suspend taxation for a year. Start a business. No taxation for a year. And low taxes for five years. 
Massive deregulation across the board. Have an immigration moratorium, visa moratorium, American labor on American soil. It solves our labor and jobs problem, our economic problem, but also our dependency on China problem. That's the vision we need. We need a new economic bill of rights. We need a new contract with America. But obviously, we have to stop the tyranny and this governmental power first. It's got to stop. That's why I'm calling for a Paul Revere project. Guys, you need to go to our Facebook page, Hurwitz Citizen Sanctuary. Click on the blue button to send an email to our team. Tell us what state you're from. And we're going to have a state-by-state task force mainly trying to focus on states where you have Republican representation, where at least we could somewhat pressure them, whether it's the governor or state legislature, both bodies or whatever, where you could go and report back to us in the comments on Facebook. What are you hearing? The corona fascism, the corona jailbreak, to help organize, and we'll we'll try to pair people together from different states so you could work together to put together events like they're doing in Michigan and Lansing on Thursday, or actually on uh, actually tomorrow on Wednesday, April fifteenth. We need Paul Revere's. We need to demand an end to the jailbreak, an end to the home confinement. That government must share in the pain. No bailout for the states. States must suspend taxation until this is over with. They must own it. Question the models. Question the science behind it, which is not even questionable anymore. It's been disproven thoroughly. Get in the faces of your council members your mayor, your county executive, your state legislatures, your congressmen. Be part of our state-by-state task force to both report back on what is happening and to pressure them and organize against tyranny. This is truly not hyperbole. We have never lived through times like this since the founding of our country. And again, as I said yesterday, truth be told... King George never did any of this. He never redefined our civilization. He never redefined marriage and life. He never released criminals to this extent. He never restricted movement to this extent. He never shut down businesses to this extent. This has never happened in the history of humanity. Something like this. These are things... As Howard, as Jacob Howard said, that lie at the basis of all society and without which a people cannot exist, except as slaves subject to a despotism. This must end, must end now. Again, subscribe to Blaze TV, promo code Daniel to get your subscription. $69 a year to Blaze TV. As my birthday present, I know it's an expensive one, but come on, $30 off for an entire network of truth of content that Fox News is unwilling to put out, that's being censored elsewhere. We need to preserve the one vestige of the Bill of Rights that we still have in order to fight for the remainder of it that we're losing. 
folks, let's roll. Let's get riding on that horse. Let's wake up the public, inform, educate, and then it's time to fight back. Till later this week, thank you all for listening, and God bless you all.